0: This podcast contains coarse language and discusses mature themes. Viewer discretion is advised. Back to another episode of Young Life Politics and Hip Hop. This is episode number seven. Um, if it's your first time tuning in, thank you so much. And uh, if you're a repeat listener, it's great to have you back. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dante Coloya, and I'll be your host for the next uh, half hour or so. Um, and you know, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, kind of what my show is about is just kind of what uh, you know young people go through uh, in their you know, late teens, early twenties, just kind of um just some reflections I've had about, you know, my experiences, um, you know, my fears, my accomplishments, that kind of thing. It's just kind of a uh you know, a dive into the mind of a uh, of a young adult. I've gone over things such as uh COVID nineteen and how it's affected students, um, our attention spans and why, you know, it's so difficult for us to focus as young people and how we're so Um, engrossed in our phones and technology and short-term gratification. Um, I've spoken about kind of, you know, uh, worries about the future, how to live in the moment more, things like that, you know, stuff that, uh, you know, everybody feels, but people don't necessarily feel necessarily comfortable talking about. I'm basically opening up so that you don't have to. Anyways, uh, today's episode is going to be focused partly on uh, episode six, which was the last episode, uh, which was about kind of the, the death of the attention span um, and you know, how our phones have really negatively impacted us and, uh, you know, just kind of how our brains have almost been rewired for instant gratification. Um, and then a bit later on, I'm going to talk about, you know, pursuing your passion, your true passion and why one finding that is so difficult and two, why it's sometimes very scary, um, to pursue said passion. So to start us off, I actually have uh, an unreleased article that I wrote, uh, originally for the Queen's Journal, but, uh, I ended up deciding not to uh, to publish it there just because it kind of didn't really align with uh, with what I wanted to do Um, and it it basically talks about uh, exactly what I spoke about last episode just kind of my personal experience with uh, finding my attention span much shorter um, my kind of ideas as to why this is happening to us um, and you know just some general insights because a lot of people that I've spoken to have experienced the same things of you know they find them, themselves really getting distracted while they do schoolwork, even while they're watching a movie, doing things that are supposed to be leisure time. They just find it really difficult to even pay attention to something for longer than, you know, a couple minutes at a time. Um, and a side note, much like my podcast, um, I really kind of like to write articles based off of things that, you know, we again experience as students, but nobody really likes to talk about. Um, when I was in high school, I wrote an article about vaping because, you know, vaping happens. I've done it. Everybody's done it. Um, but I, I did feel like it wasn't really getting enough attention in the media, uh, so I decided to talk about that and you know kind of play devil's advocate. Um, I've done articles again about phones, um, about our sex lives and how they've been affected by Tinder and kind of this hookup culture. Um, I just find it, you know, it, it's really important to speak about the things that people don't always like to. It's sometimes a good thing to be uncomfortable and to make people uncomfortable because, as cheesy as it is, that is how you make a difference sometimes. Anyhow, enough about me and my backstory, um, let's dive straight into the article and uh, stay tuned after that for some discussions about uh, how to find your passion, why it's scary, and you know, um, why our society isn't necessarily geared towards uh, facilitating people pursuing what they're truly passionate about. Here's my article entitled, Why Is It So Hard For Me To Focus? I got the idea to write this article while I was trying to do a 15-page reading for one of my classes. It was the day before the start of the second semester, and I had just gotten back from winter break. The reading wasn't really anything special, but I was finding it so hard to concentrate on on what I was reading. And this wasn't the first time. With books, articles, even recipes, I'd found myself struggling to maintain steady focus. I was someone who used to eat up books, who could read chapters and chapters in just one sitting. But now, I felt my attention span slowly being sucked out of me, and I wanted to figure out why. Upon reflection, the answer was far simpler than I expected. And it's by no means a surprising one, social media and our electronic devices. As I reflected on my attention span, I realized that my reading was not the only area of my life that was becoming harder to focus on. Even something as simple as waiting for my food to microwave felt like a difficult task. I was unable to sit still and stay focused. My mind would jump to wanting to check social media. For example, when a movie scene wasn't particularly interesting, I would reflexively pull out my phone and scroll Instagram until the movie piqued my interest with an action scene. In some instances i even found myself skipping dialogue to get to a more engaging scene this was how i realized that my phone and even my laptop to some extent was the root of my issues i hated what was happening to me when i was young and phoneless i spent my idle moments daydreaming reading and doodling now i was watching mundane 10 second videos on instagram and invariably scrolling through movies in the same way i did with social media apps now that i knew social media seemed to be the root cause i wanted to figure out just why i felt such an urge to pull out my phone during less interesting interactions. When I examined the times I felt this need, there was one thing they all had in common. They weren't particularly stimulating. Waiting for food to cook, sitting in a boring class, or waiting for my show to buffer are all tasks I wouldn't say I particularly enjoy. No one gets a dopamine hit from waiting in a Starbucks line. The idea of dopamine reminded me that Instagram, Snapchat, and even Tinder were made by companies to give us as much of this natural happiness drug as possible in a short period of time. Every time that I get a like, a follow, or even just a notification on my phone, I feel a small burst of euphoria. It's not noticeable, but it's there. And as dramatic as this sounds, consciously think of how you feel when your phone goes off, or you check your DMs, or your picture kind of blows up. I guarantee you'll notice what I felt. Once I connected the fact that I was having trouble focusing on less stimulating tasks with this effect that social media was having on my brain, it made complete sense why my attention span was so horrible. I would become almost an addict, and dopamine was my drug. If I was doing a task that ended with a dopamine surge, my brain was more happy to focus and get me through my task easily, with the prospect of a reward. But if I was engaged in something that didn't offer that, my brain would get impatient, much like a smoker gets irritable when they haven't had a hit in a while. I realized that much like a substance abuser, I needed to get clean, and going cold turkey wasn't an option. I've tried outright deleting my social media, but by doing that, I didn't reap any of the minimal benefits that it does offer, and I ended up just relapsing and downloading it a few days later. I decided that I needed to slowly retrain my brain to like dopamine, but to not always need it. After some thought, I came up with a few tactics to solve my issue. The first of these was to avoid going on my phone an hour after I wake up, unless necessary. And even if I wanted to go on it, social media apps would stay closed. I found that this forced me to focus on the mundane tasks I go through every morning, like brushing my teeth and making my bed. Instead of getting distracted every few minutes, I was undertaking these tasks and planning out my goals for the day to fill the time. The second tactic I employed was turning off my notifications. This set boundaries on my apps instead of enabling me to impulsively click on them all day. The third tactic is linked with the second in the sense that I would set specific times for me to check social media. For example, if I was in class for an hour and a half without getting distracted, I would check my socials for a few minutes afterwards as a reward for sitting through that class. By doing this, I was teaching my brain to link focusing for long periods of time with that dopamine boost. And now that I look back on the last week I've spent with these new rules in place, I couldn't be happier. I've spent more time being creative than ever before. I've had a chance to daydream. I've been locked in a consistent routine, and I've found reading becoming easier and easier as the days have progressed. At the end of last semester, reading a chapter felt like a chore. Last night, I read for two hours before bed like it was nothing. If you do feel like you've been struggling with focus, I strongly urge you to reflect on your phone and social media use. Just like the old days when our parents would kick us outside for hours in the summer, we need to allow ourselves to be bored to be our best selves. It's a necessary part of life. And speaking of life, it's far too short to spend scrolling. So that was my uh, article on, you know, the attention span. Uh, and if you want to kind of hear more about that topic, I would say uh, go back and listen to my sixth episode, which is the one right before this, called The Death of the Attention Span, uh, if you just kind of want more of a uh, uh, an in-depth discussion. So from here on out, I kind of want to talk about uh, pursuing your passion, because uh, I think that it's something that a, a lot of people don't necessarily talk about, um, you know, because there's a difference between what you want to do when you're older and, you know, what you wish you could do when you're older or what you would truly want to do when you're older. You know, um, I think that a lot of people are kind of nervous to pursue their real passion because our society doesn't really um, put, put capital on, you know, creative, um, creative things, which is usually what somebody's passion is if I can use myself as an example, um, and kind of just give you an idea of like what my career path has been so far. Um, So I I wouldn't necessarily say that I've ever been, you know, a maths or a sciences person, or I guess a a STEM person. Um, I've always felt myself, you know, being a more creative, open-minded individual. Um, You know, in grade school, I was always reading like crazy. Um, I really didn't like doing my homework. I didn't like sitting at a desk in a classroom. It just... I would get antsy, like I don't even have ADD, but it was just like it wasn't enjoyable. Um, and then once I was in high school, you know, I took the classes that you're expected to take math, biochem, English, whatever. Um, and as I kind of went through the years, I really said to myself, like, I don't see myself being at a desk when I'm older, it, it doesn't seem like my personality. And I felt like I was someone who loved to create things, you know, paint, draw, stuff like that. And when I was in math and science classes, it was like there was one set answer and there was one specific way to go about doing that and getting said answer. And for me, that felt so, you know, repetitive and mundane because there wasn't any room for me to kind of theorize or think about, you know, other ways to potentially tackle something. And I think it was either grade 10 or 11, I took a, uh, a politics class. And for me, that was a little bit more interesting because I kind of got to like, you know, take these old theories uh, and, and apply them to real life and say, you know, why why did these theories come about? Um, how could I kind of like add my own ideas to these theories to kind of explain society? You know, kind of more like sociology type things of why is society the way it is, making connections? There's not necessarily a right answer as much as there is in math and science. And after taking that politics class, I was really inspired. My, uh, my teacher, Mr. Bailey, was great. He would, you know, give me lots of different articles in the class. Uh, you know, he'd really push me to kind of think about uh, the other things, you know, think outside the box. And so after I took that, I feel like it kind of like boosted my creativity of wanting to, to take things further. And I ended up saying to myself, you know what, Uh, I think I want to go to university. And you know, I will admit that that was kind of partly because it's quote unquote, what everybody does, you know, it's like, after high school, you go get your undergrad, that's just kind of like what society expects of you less now, I will admit, but there's still pressure from you know, grandparents, parents, employers of, you know, go get a degree. That's what we see as, as necessary. And, you know, I wanted to experience university being independent, you know, having a different schedule, being in a different city, living alone, everything that came with that. So I dove in head first. But before that, I actually took a grade 12 class uh, that was police, fire and EMT fundamentals. And I didn't ever really think about that. You know, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person, so I was kind of like, oh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to see, you know, dead people, people at car, in car accidents, stuff like that. Um, but after I took this course, I, I really started to enjoy firefighting for that one semester that I had it. We had to do the CPAT, which is like a physical exam. Uh, we went to the fire station. We tried out, you know, using fire hoses, car extrication, uh, climbing ladders, all the stuff like that, the very physical things. And, and I've always been someone who absolutely loves working out, playing sports, being active is such a big part of my identity, you know, it's like brushing my teeth. Um, And, you know, at the time, I was kind of like, you know what, I could pursue firefighting, but I want to get out of this small town, you know, high school, rural area that I've been in for the last four years. And I want to change the scenery, I didn't particularly like high school that much. So I needed something different. So I came to Queens. And In my first year, I feel like everything is kind of new. So you're really like into everything you're doing, even if you don't really like the class that much, because it's just like, wow, this is new. I have a new schedule. I have professors. I have exams that are like, they feel much more professional. There's still kind of the novelty, much like a honeymoon phase, even if two people don't actually like each other for the first three months or even six or nine months, they think it's the person they're in love with. And then things change. I feel like my first year was almost like my honeymoon phase. And so I decided to major in politics and history because it was my favorite class, and that was about it. There, there wasn't really much else to it other than it was what I thought I was really going to enjoy at the time. And actually, in first year, I started off as just a history major and decided to switch to a politics major in second year and a history minor. And you know, second year was online. I was home. You're just kind of going through the motions when you're doing online school. That's what I've definitely found. Um, So at the time when I didn't like my classes, I was kind of like, oh, this is because I'm online. Like, I would be liking this if I was in person. So don't really read into it much. You know, you still might be a journalist or a lawyer, um, or you know, something policy related. Uh, and, and firefighting wasn't even anywhere in my head at this time at all. All I was thinking about was journalism or lawyer something related to that. Um, one second, you're finished. I'm so this is now this year, I came back to university in person. I had my first semester, and when I was taking my politics classes, I was really starting to say to myself, you know what, I told myself it was going to be different when I was back in person, and as much as I like the idea of being around my peers, of being in class and engaging with people, this material is so fucking boring. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And you know, in high school I was able to, in in certain classes, but it was just my politics and history classes were just not interesting. And I reflected on what parts of the classes I did like, you know, uh, and the main thing was the discussions. It was when, you know, I took a Middle Eastern politics class. I didn't like the Middle Eastern politics, you know, what she was teaching. I found it very dull. Um, But the readings I liked, and I really liked when she would ask an open-ended question in class, and we would talk about it, and we'd be able to bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, again, create our own theories, have some output of There's no wrong answer. You can say what you want based off of what you have thought and you can make these different connections. That was what was really interesting to me. And we ended up being forced back online. So online school, as usual, was very boring. And you know, lately I really came to a big realization just this semester of what am I going to do after university? And kind of some backstory, I think, I think where it came about was uh, I'm an avid short story writer. I really like creative writing. I would say that this is one of my many passions right now. I mean, because passions can change or you haven't discovered them yet. Um, and basically what happened was I sent one of my short stories to my English professor uh, and he put me in touch with this like, very well-known New York Times bestselling author to kind of discuss uh, my stories and, you know, how he got where he was. Just kind of shoot the shit with someone who's in a potential career path that I was looking at. And, you know, he didn't sugarcoat anything. And he said, like, if you want to be a journalist, it's going to be very, very difficult. Like, first of all, it's just hard to get a job in the first place. You're going to be kind of eating shit for the first four years as an intern, not getting paid very well, doing all the crappy jobs, working way harder than what you're being paid for. Um, And even then, once you're an established journalist, you still don't make that much. You still don't really get that much recognition. Um, and, And journalists have some of the highest divorce rates, apparently, too, which I had no idea about. He basically said... If you want to start a family, then you shouldn't be a journalist. So that really gave me a lot to think about of, is this really what I want to do with my life? Is this what I want to chase? You know, to potentially be chasing down leads that don't go anywhere and sitting at a desk all day, taking hell from my boss. To me, that just didn't sound appealing. And to be honest, it scared the hell out of me because journalism was what I had kind of been telling myself I was going to do with my degree um, in a climate that was already kind of like, you can't do much with an arts degree. So, you know, for a couple of days after I talked to him, I was like, wow, like, what am I going to do with my life? I have absolutely no idea. And that was the first time that I've ever truly experienced that. And it was a scary feeling, I will admit it, Um, to really just feel like, you know, after my undergrad, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? It's a it's a very scary thing. And I talked about this in one of my uh, my previous episodes, just about how we kind of we really don't like the idea of death and about the fact that you know taking all of our hobbies and our marriages our friendships our relationships away we're just on this earth there's not really much else it's just we're here one for whatever 85 years and then we're just gone um and when you kind of have that existential crisis uh it it can be terrifying at times and you know um i would say that my parents are probably the people that i look to usually for the most uh the most advice when it comes to anything career related or just in general, um, because they've been through everything that I have. And it, it was really kind of refreshing to hear from them that it's very normal to have absolutely no idea what you want to do when you're young. And that's something that a lot of people have criticized about going to university at the age that we do. Um, Is just that how can you how can you know what you want to do when you haven't tried out all these different things? It's like, All you've really done is been in high school and maybe worked a couple of joe jobs and then there's obviously those exceptions who work cool jobs but you don't really have that much real life experience how can you find your passion if you've just spent most of your time in school chasing what society tells you is should be your passion right um and you know that's what i think kind of makes chasing your passion very scary is because you are taking a risk you are going against kind of the status quo of this is what you should be doing This is what will make you successful, you know, money. That's what society sees as successful usually is money. Um, And I think to truly find your passion, you just have to take take a risk and kind of throw yourself in head first. And after lots of reflection, I said to myself, you know, what do I truly want to do? What do I want to try? And my dad said to me, he said, you know what? Make a list of things that you want to do after your undergrad. And he didn't mean, you know, hobbies Something like that. He meant, you know, truly things that will change you as a person, that will advance you as a human being. He said, you know, even if you're feeling disenfranchised by a university, even if you're feeling like your degree is boring and it's, you know, difficult to go to class because you hate it so much, as long as you're changing and growing as a person and learning things, that's what's important. The life experience is what is important. And a lot of people don't say that. You know, they say the marks are important, the credits are important, the degree is important. And you know, to me, that's that's some bullshit. Like, I, I agree, it is necessary. But the amount of emphasis that's put on it, and the, how much less emphasis is put on just true life experience, it definitely bothers me. So to kind of give you an example of what I decided I wanted to do with my, my year off after my undergrad, because I did decide I wanted to take some time off before I threw myself headfirst into, you know, the job marketplace or full time work. Um, I wanted to become fluent in French because I'm potentially wanting to live in Montreal when I'm older. So I said to myself, what would I need to live in Montreal and be successful? Well, I need to be really good at speaking French. So that's something that I could learn to better myself as a person. Uh, another thing, I want to get my restricted firearms license because I have my PAL already, which is just a regular firearms license. And having a restricted firearms license would just kind of, you know, open some doors. If I ever did want to be in law enforcement, um, or if I ever just wanted to do, you know, pistol shooting, something like that, uh, it's just a really cool hobby to have, uh, and it's also just something that you can put on your resume that shows people that you went through a rigorous examination progress, uh, sorry, process, uh, and you passed it. So it, it's just something that kind of goes on the resume that makes employers go, hmm, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm also a writer, so I said to myself. What's something that I can do? That's a really big project that will potentially bring me success in the future, and not just money success, but recognition success of you know changing people's lives or just people appreciating your your work, your unique work. So I said, I want to write a novel. I want to write a 90,000 word novel, even if it sounds ambitious. I'm gonna write 400 words a day for the next two years, and I'm gonna finish a first draft of a novel by the end of my year off. That'll make, that'll get me better at writing it will potentially have me actually write a novel that I could get published someday. um, And that will help me grow as a person. I told myself that I wanted to read 100 books in a year. Again, it's ambitious, but it will better me as a person. I'll I'll get a better knowledge of writing. I'll have a better knowledge of reading. I'll know all these different styles. um, And I'll just generally advance my global knowledge because, you know, you're reading all these different... Uh, authors from different backgrounds different ages different genders different countries and it, it just i think really opens it really opens a lot of doors for you know theorizing being creative and incorporating that into your own writing uh, obviously i want to go travel because i think most people do and i used to kind of you know, poo-poo that and say, oh, everyone just says they want to go find themselves in Europe or Australia, but I I realize it now, so I said to myself, I wanted to go to Europe, and I wanted to visit a bunch of different museums, and you can call me old, you can call me old-fashioned, I know, like, you know, dads love museums, but I've always liked museums when I was younger, and I never felt like I ever got enough, because we didn't, you know, we traveled, but even if we went to museums, I was too young to remember it, so to just devote time to only go see museums. Again, it gives me this m- more of a global knowledge. It shows me different perspectives. Um, the last one, which kind of really changed my outlook on my future was uh, taking a forest firefighting course. Um, I, r- I was really reflecting on myself and I said, you know, what's something that you, that you really wanna do? What's a, what's a career that you could do every day, even if you weren't getting paid? And I kind of made a list. I said, it needs to be physical. I can't be at a desk. It has to be at least somewhat financially stable. There have to be openings. um, And ideally, you can be outdoors. And I was talking to one of my friends, Ella, who has two parents who are firefighters. uh, And she ended up saying that her stepmom was a forest firefighter in the summers before she became a full-time firefighter. And I had been kind of looking back on my high school experience, and I said, what was your favorite class to myself? And I realized that it was the police, the police fire and EMT foundations class. I loved being physically active, um, you know, "quote unquote" rescuing people, making a difference. The drills we did were, they were amazing. It didn't feel like I was really working. I loved being pushed. And so after that long list of things that I want to do in my year off, I came to the conclusion of once I graduate, I'm going to take that year off, take the course, do all the other things I said, and once I'm certified as a forest firefighter. I just want to go all over Canada, wherever they need me, and fight forest fires. You know, jump out of helicopters like a badass, brush cut, just spend all day in the woods working hard, and you know, making a difference. Saving the environment, saving people's houses, um, stopping these natural disasters from wreaking havoc in certain places. Um, And I kind of looked at it and I said, you know, will there be a demand? Yes, there will be, because there's more and more wildfires every year. Like Canadian forest firefighters were even sent to the U.S. to fight the massive wildfires. So I don't see there being an issue with job prospects. Um, I want to live in Montreal, but I also want to do this forest firefighting. That's fully possible because there's an off-season. So I could live in Montreal for my off-season, DJ, write, be creative, work different Joe jobs to kind of figure out, you know, maybe there's something else I want to do. But first and foremost, experience living in Montreal, an eclectic, beautiful city fully by myself, fully independent, pursuing my creative passions with not a care in the world. Um, And, you know, later on down the road, uh, I could potentially become a full-on firefighter. A lot of firefighters start their careers at 28, 29, even in their 40s. You know, there's no rush. People will apply year after year and they only get accepted, you know, the sixth or eighth time because of it. You know, it's competitive. Um, But it's definitely possible. And the way I look at it is, you know, You're ready to settle down by your mid-30s anyways, or even early 30s, late 20s. So becoming a firefighter with a full-time career wouldn't be a bad thing. And as a firefighter, you know, you work a lot of shifts, and then you have a lot of time off. So in the time off, you can pursue a second job. Or for myself, I could pursue my creative endeavors. I would be able to just fully focus on, you know, writing a novel, painting, recording podcasts, DJing. Just any of those creative things that I would want to do, I would have the time for. And I guess, you know, obviously, my life plan is definitely a lot more interesting to me than it is to you, the listener. But I think the kind of general point I'm trying to make is that if you kind of look at the path that I've taken, I don't think that you would have really expected me to have thought now that this is what I want to do, you know, before I started university. And another thing, like the career path that I'm now thinking about is completely different from what my degree is. And it's taken me basically three years to figure out what I want to do. And, and even then, I might not be right. Like I might hate it as well. You don't know. But the general point that I'm trying to make is that you don't, this is going to sound so cheesy, but you don't learn what your passion is sitting in a classroom. Some of us do. Some of us say, hey, you know what? I love calculus. I want to just input numbers all day. I want to just do math all day. I don't mind. I love it. Or, you know, I really like accounting. I just want to be a boring person and sit at a desk all day looking at numbers and adding shit, which I know isn't fully accounting. Um, But, you know, that is appealing to some people. But I think that lots of us have absolutely no idea what we want to do. And we end up getting roped into these nine to fives uh, just because it's what's expected of us. And I think that that's so sad. I think that that just makes me so depressed of, you know, I would work at a job I don't really like just to pay the bills. I would so much rather be, you know, broke out of my mind and be doing something that I love. Obviously, I want to find a balance of, you know, having stable income and also, you know, having a job that I love. Uh, But, you know, when you're young and you don't have a a wife and kids or even a girlfriend, you know, you can do anything you want. You can go anywhere you want. You don't have any ties. So why not just try so many different things to really see what, what you like? And again, it takes a risk. Like, Um, I'm not going to be going to grad school like many of my peers are. I'm going to be taking a forest firefighting course to break into an industry that I might not end up liking. Um, I'm going to be potentially working in hazardous areas in the middle of nowhere for extended periods of time. But I'm willing to take that risk because it might be something that I end up falling in love with. And, you know, in life in general, I think that it's really important to pursue the things that, that make you uncomfortable to kind of pursue the things that you didn't think about or that you were putting to the back of your head because you felt like you just wanted to be safe. Sometimes it's better to be unsafe. You know, sometimes it's better to say, I need to go travel alone. I want to travel with my friends, but I know that I'm not going to be as open. I know that I'm not going to have the full experience if I go with a friend group. Or, you know, in high school, you decide to go to a university that's across the country where you don't know anybody because you want a fresh start you want to get just dropped in and engrossed in that new town. And you want to meet new people, which is kind of what I did with Queens. I specifically chose not to hang out with people from high school, because I just wanted to start over and start fresh and get the full experience that I could. And I just kind of want to end off with uh, something interesting that I've noticed. So I may have already mentioned this in one of my other podcasts, but I'll just touch on it briefly. When I'm around people, uh, I tend to like to ask them what they would do if money wasn't an issue. You know. If you just had unlimited money, what would you do every day? And I get so many different answers, and I get answers that I would not expect. You know, uh, I have a buddy who's in commerce, and I said, what would you pursue? And he said, drama, acting. I wouldn't have, I really would have never thought. Um, I have other people who just, they tell me such, so many different things, but what links all of them is that they're all creative, they're all interesting, they're all innovative, they're all truly making a difference. They really they're all things that think outside the box. And I think that, that there's really something to be said for creativity. And I do find it sad that more people aren't creative these days and that people are kind of like, wow, you write? Or wow, you draw? Like, it, it's all a dying art, even reading. We don't read nearly as much as we used to. Um, so I just think it's really important to, to get out there, to just try as many things as possible. And, you know, instead of, you know, scrolling on social media for two hours when you get home, just try doodling or try just writing a journal entry or a little short story. And, you know, even if you think that it's shit, you're trying something new. And that's what matters. Remember, my name is Dante Kaloya. This is Young Life, Politics, and Hip Hop. I hope that I've imparted some new knowledge on you. Um, I know I'm only 20, but I just love sharing uh, sharing my thoughts, my fears with you guys. I think that it's, uh, it's a great way for me to get things off my chest and, you know, for other people to hear that other people are going through what they're going through and just to kind of give you some new insights on life. Um, it's always great to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to get other perspectives. So I hope that I've helped uh, even just a couple of you. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys on the next episode and hope you have a great rest of your day or night, wherever it is.